We've been closely monitoring the situation in China. Obviously, the problems in the People's Republic of China uh, are different from those in Taiwan. Because in Taiwan right now, most people are probably starting their Christmas shopping. Yes, they celebrate Christmas in Taiwan. Maybe not for the same reasons most Christians do, but mostly for the gift-giving part of it and the fact that so many Christmas gifts are made in Taiwan, uh, especially those that we have here in the United States. So if you are familiar with, you know, uh, Hasbro toys and... Uh, and other things, Tonka, I think, was made in Taiwan also and, and, and other things for, for many, many, many years. Um, many of those factories have, of course, moved to the mainland. But what has not moved to the mainland is the freedom that the workers enjoyed in Taiwan. Yes, Taiwan, at, for a time, at one time, did have a kind of authoritarian government. That did exist. But generally speaking, it was a democracy. And while it did have a strong government in control of it for a long period of time it also had freedom something that people in the mainland did not enjoy and still continues to this day be more free than the people's republic of china that said the situation in china has grown worse and more extremely worse uh, for the first time, people are actually outright calling for the resignation of Xi Jinping. Uh, they're calling for a change of government. They're wanting changes throughout there. And they want justice for Chinese citizens who are being discriminated against and being not just put in the blacklist on work, but literally taken out of their homes, sent to re-education camps, and told to change their faith and religion told to not express themselves in public. Hey, that kind of sounds like Washington, D.C. and the Democrats. Well, actually, there are some similarities, but we'll get to that. The Democrats still are not at the level of the CCP. They're trying in some instances, but they're not yet there. But let's listen to a Republican from California. Her name is Young Kang. She is a congresswoman uh, from the state of California. And she has been expressing herself and uh, her uh, freedom of expression and speech as to what is going on in Taiwan, even though she's Korean. Yep. Here's Young Kim. Speaker, I'm pleased to rise in support of my bill, H.R. 4875, the Uyghur Policy Act. And I also like to thank Asia Subcommittee Chairman Ami Bera for leading this with me. And I thank 79 bipartisan co-sponsors, uh, Ms. Sarah Jacobs from California, one of them being there. Thank you so much. They all made this uh, consideration of the important bill uh, possible. The Uyghur Policy Act comes at a critical time as the world is seeing past the Chinese Communist Party's censorship filters and sharing videos of thousands of people in China standing up and speaking out against strict lockdowns and against the CCP. Since Xi Jinping solidified his rule during the Communist Party Congress last month, Anti-lockdown protests have erupted all over China, including in Xinjiang, where at least 10 people under COVID lockdown were killed in an apartment fire with their doors locked from the outside. The people of China are waking up 
to the CCP's oppression and are demanding basic freedoms. Whether it is lockdown protesters in Shanghai or Uyghurs and other ethnic minorities in Xinjiang, the United States must show through words and through actions that we will have their backs in their fight against the CCP's tyranny. The People's Republic of China continues to deny carrying out genocide against the Uyghurs and other ethnic minorities. And we have verified reports of forced sterilization, forced labor, brainwashing, and gang rape in the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region. The Uyghur Policy Act will help us lead from a position of strength and will address several shortcomings in our existing approach to responding to these human rights abuses. It authorizes the State Department to appoint a special coordinator for Uyghur issues, which will consolidate the State Department's diplomatic strategy to ensure that department-wide resources being used to respond to the Uyghur genocide are better coordinated. H.R. 4875 will also mandate Uyghur language instruction at the Foreign Service Institute and require the State Department to station a Uyghur fluent officer at Mission China locations. The bill also authorizes support for Uyghur human rights activists and directs the U.S. Agency for Global Media to disseminate news and information regarding Uyghur genocide. We must act now to leverage U.S. soft power, garner international support for Uyghurs and other ethnic minorities in Xinjiang, and equip the State Department with the tools it needs to better respond to Xi Jinping's genocidal campaign. I urge my colleagues to support this legislation, and I reserve the balance of my time. The gentlewoman. Tell us more a little bit about it directly. Let's talk to a Taiwanese-American. Uh, he actually calls himself a Taiwanese-American, uh, of course, uh, ethnically. He is, uh, originally his family is from China. Um, in a strange way, my dad is from China. My dad was born in Shanghai, where many of these uh, protests are taking place. And Shanghai was a great place of refuge for my father's side of the family. Uh, they were refugees from communism and its excesses in Russia. And they wound up uh, in Shanghai, which in the 1920s and 30s was known as a wonderful free city with a lot of opportunities for a lot of people. And uh, it was uh, a vastly, rapidly growing city. And while it did have some zones of control, wherein the French had a partition or an area, the British had their area, the uh, you know, various international zones existed within China. Uh, but it existed in such a way that allowed uh, people from the West to engage and trade in China on one side and at the same time manufacture goods and create items and bring them out of China to the United States and to Europe and to other places. Pretty much what's happening now, but then it was largely controlled by foreign traders. Now it is controlled by the CCP. Yes, the Communist Party of China is engaged in capitalism on a major scale, mercantile economy. It's a confusing concept. And in some aspects, it actually is impressive to see. But in the aspects of personal freedom, human rights, it's not. It's horrible. In fact, 
to reach the level that they have reached now to be able to control people the way they have they've had to put most of the country in lockdowns just to keep people from driving the communist out of office because they're sick and tired of what is happening in china three years of lockdowns in some cities let's listen in as we talk to peter ko now peter ko uh can tell you more because he actually lived in the people's republic of china in mainland china and his family was originally from taiwan let's listen to peter as he tells us more about it in this exclusive interview by the way peter is a, a california republican and not only that he is the vice chairman of the republican party and the state of california let's listen to what peter has to say So going to specifically China, because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we, we do know that the problems there in the last, uh, oh, I say 48 hours, uh, mm-hmm. there, there's actually been uh, videos of tanks in the street. Uh, yeah. There's been uh, a lot of issues involving uh, w- what is happening uh, uh, in areas like Shanghai, in Wuhan, uh, in, in other places throughout the country. Um which most Americans don't know. I mean, you know, to, to yep. guys like us, you know, I was born in Asia. I'm, I'm Asian American. Uh, I may look Caucasian, but I'm Asian. But, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, to guys like me and you who were born in Taiwan, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, are practically neighbors. Uh, I was born in Luzon Island in the Philippines, which is right next to Taiwan. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, the the understanding of what's happening in China is completely lost to the people here. I mean, you try and talk to someone in New York about, you better really carefully watch this situation because it can go quickly from, you know... From bad to worse, yeah. A nightmare scenario is what they're saying. They could use this yeah. as a wag-the-dog reason to try and uh, invade Taiwan. What exactly do you see? Let me give you a little time to just reflect and, and talk about it openly for, for you know, as someone from, <laughs> from Taiwan. Yeah. Yeah, there there are several um, things that we're talking about here. One is the Chinese Chinese relationship with Taiwan, China's relationship with Hong Kong, China's relationship with their own citizens, and I like to start with the the relationship of their own citizens. And if the Chinese President Xi Jinping is listening, I would say please, please do not um, imprison or even kill your own people because that will be your ultimate downfall you you may not see you might he may think that no one hears it because they they have complete control of the media but you know there there is a uh, cosmic god that that will be uh watching and and and, and listening very, very carefully what he's doing so i certainly hope that they do not um t- you know invade their own citizen because because it, it will be the the ultimate beginning of downfall if you if you go down that route um, now, the protests all started because during the COVID lockdown, they literally locked out many people's homes, sealed it with torch, so that, you know, literally seal them and make them their own prison of their own home. And uh, there was a fire at the uh, street called Ulumuchi, um, which is um, um, a residential street that, you know, 10 people were killed. Initially, they say, oh, no one was killed. Everybody's just smoking inhalation. But uh, 
certainly people didn't believe that. So, um, so this this zero COVID policy does not make any sense whatsoever, because of you know scientific fact doesn't 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 back it, and and people are start bribing the top um, by meaning the the big white coat folks to bribe them to say, hey, can you make my test negative or and, and they were just making things up as they go along. It's just other craziness, right? So so. So yes, they, they are trying to hide many economic uh, disasters in the making, mainly that their housing market is, is a bubble that's already burst. Uh, people tried to get money out of their own banks, they couldn't get cash out. So there are so many inherent problems that is going on in China right now, uh, outside the world, just don't get to see. Even even um, the Chinese citizens don't, don't know what's going on in part of this uh, rest of the provinces, so that's that's what's going on. It's total chaos in many areas, but you know, in many areas, their life just goes on as usual, right? Mm -hmm. So, so again, I would say you know, it's a ninety-five percent okay, five percent chaos. That's Peter Quo on the situation in China and the situation, of course, vis-a-vis. Uh, -vis. Uh, with uh, Taiwan. I hear a lot of Fonken. So yeah, I Fonken, know by, Fonken. by hearing Fonken, uh, wait a minute. That's Taiwanese, you know. That's that's, yeah, yeah. that's the dialect uh, I hear mostly from people from Taiwan. So mm -hmm. it seems a lot of people from Taiwan are moving into New York and and into the United States, uh, and they all say the same thing. They're they're worried about what's going on, and there's not a lot of representation, even from the Asian Americans who are Chinese or claim to be Taiwanese, and um, uh, you know, they, they blame them for not, not voicing out, not speaking out. Why, why do you see, is, is there a reason why uh, some of these Democrats who, I, I'll name one of them, Grace Meng, who's the congresswoman here where, in my district where, where I live, um, she doesn't seem to even want to mention Taiwan. Or, or even when Nancy Pelosi, you know, who's in the same party as she is, went to Taiwan, mm -hmm. she hasn't gone. And we haven't really heard or seen anything from from much of the Chinese American politicians, even in California, uh, in regards to to uh, the, the situation with Taiwan and and the recent protests in China. They, they seem to be very silent. Is there a reason for it, or is it true? You as know, some people I, say? I, um, I I'm extremely saddened when when all this. Um, Flights, you know, the, the jet fighters from China was buzzing over Taiwan, uh, and they're still doing that today. And um, I'm sad because, like you say, there's no international uh, community support. Even our own people, when I thought, you know, the Chinese folks, or Asian, at least Asian, right, mm -hmm. um, of the Asian descent, like Ted Liu, say nothing. Uh, Grace Men didn't say anything. And and and, but on the on the other hand, the Koreans. Um, uh, Congressman, Congresswoman Yang Kim and uh, Michelle Steele has been very vocal against. You know, they're they're very pro Taiwan, and they're Republicans. But the Democrats, um, 
you know, somehow the the Asian Democrats um, are, are silent when when China is 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 uh, doing all these things um, to to rattle you know Taiwan. And uh, in fact, you know, I don't think there's a joint announcement um, about you know what's going on in China today. You know, I I, I suspect that they will take take care of their own citizens first mm-hmm. by, by imprisoning them. In fact, they, they imprisoned a whole bunch of them who, who raised a white piece of paper with nothing on it. And um, so so during my campaign and during the – because I was a, uh, Donald Trump's uh, campaign director mm-hmm. uh, for API uh, Asian Pacific Islanders here in California. And I attended rallies, you know, along with my Vietnamese friends. And what's, what amazes me is that the older generation of the Vietnamese, um, you know, the, the folks in their 40s and 50s, they, they understand what's going on in this country. But the younger generations, um, 30 and under, really have no idea why their parents come here, and they sided with the Democrats. Hmm. And uh, so almost like my kids. I mean, my, my kids who are 26 now, 26, 24 they are they are also registered Democrats, and to to my life, I don't understand why. Uh, until you know, I, I did have a conversation with them, and and it was really the brainwashings of the universities um, that that caused them to 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 say you know Donald Trump, orange man, bad, and and uh, <laughs> is unfit to lead. You know all those things. Listen to this report about Michael Bloomberg and what he recently did at a seminar and summit that he was holding for world leaders and business people in Singapore. Michael Bloomberg uh, has his own position on how he describes things uh, in China and uh, it is just out of whack with what the rest of the world says. First, let's listen to Michael Bloomberg, and then to the new British Prime Minister, Sunak, and lastly, Boris Johnson, the former British Prime Minister. Everybody pretty much agrees. China is not what it's cut up to be, and Bloomberg and many politicians in New York City are on the wrong side of history. They, uh, their human rights record is abominable, and we should make a fuss, which we've been doing, I suppose. But we make no mistake about it. We have to deal with China if we're ever going to solve the climate crisis. We have to deal with them because our economies are inextricably linked. We would be not be able to sell or buy the products that we need. And in terms of whether he's a dictator, he does serve at the behest of the Politburo, uh, of their, their group of people. But uh, there's no question he has an enormous amount of power, um, and um, he, but he does play to his constituency. You can negotiate with him. Michael Bloomberg uh, has his own position on how he describes things uh, in China, and uh, it is just out of whack with what the rest of the world says. First, let's listen to Michael Bloomberg, and then to the new British Prime Minister, Sunak, and lastly, Boris Johnson, the former British Prime Minister. Everybody pretty much agrees. China is not what it's cut up to be, and Bloomberg and many politicians in New York City are on the wrong side of history. 
is that across the whole of Asia, this disastrous miscalculation by Putin will severely weaken Russia and greatly strengthen China. And we can see what's happening already in Kazakhstan. You can see it in Uzbekistan. You can see it across the whole of the former Soviet Union and, and beyond. The bear is looking increasingly moth-eaten and forlorn and pushed around by an assertive giant kung fu panda. What Putin did before the Ukraine invasion, only one world leader he troubled to consult. He went to the Beijing Olympics and was given the green light there. And, and increasingly, you can see that he is, the, he is the punk of Xi Jinping. And so I, I would argue that given the stresses and strains of tensions that we're seeing across the Asia-Pacific region and the obvious read-across between what's happening in Ukraine and what could happen in Taiwan in the South China Seas. Now let's be clear, the so-called golden era is over, along with the naive idea that trade would automatically lead to social and political reform. But nor should we rely on simplistic Cold War rhetoric. We recognize China poses a systemic challenge to our values and interests, a challenge that grows more acute as it moves towards even greater authoritarianism. See what I mean? That's what's happening. And that's the latest for me for now. We'll be back with more later, and we'll have Peter Quo again here on Mike of New York. Mike of New York is a podcast produced by Michael Cohen, a journalist who's been in the biz for about 30 years. He's legally blind and uh, he tries to tell the story as he sees it in a strange kind of way that blind people can sometimes see things that those with sight cannot. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Please leave a like on the podcast app where you're looking at it. And if you would want to support the podcast, there are ways of doing that in the show notes. Thank you so much. <laughs>